In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. They could, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then he secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Good afternoon, my name's Brian. If you could now um, turn your Bibles to page 904, and we're reading Luke chapter 21, verses 5 to 19. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will, what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you'll be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. 
For I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. This is the word of the Lord. Good afternoon, everybody. My name's Ed. I'm one of the pastors here at church, and we're going to be looking at the story of Stephen, a man of courageous faith. So we need to come back to Acts chapter 6 on page 940. Well, it's January, and it's that time of the year for making New Year's resolutions. I wonder if you've done this yet. Looking in the mirror... I thought, how can I eat less in 2019? Or maybe you've woken up and been confronted with what's on the other side of the mirror early in the morning. Thought, oh, how can I get more work-life balance in 2019? Today, as you look in the mirror of God's word, I want you to ask the question: How can God use me in 2019? 2019 is our year of living on mission with a courageous faith. This is a year that we want you to take your part in what God is doing on this earth of making his son Jesus known to the ends of the earth. How can you take your part? Well, Stephen is a man of courageous faith. And every week throughout January, we're going to look at different people from the Bible who have lived lives of courageous faith. And today, we're looking at this man, Stephen. Stephen is your everyday Christian's hero of courageous faith. Let me explain why. Because, see, when we make New Year's resolutions, we do this one, and we say, I know, I'll exercise every single day, and I'll never eat carbs again. Or we think about our work-life balance, we think, I'll ask the boss for Fridays off, and I'm going to sleep 10 hours a night. We go too big, don't we? And we can do the same in our faith. We can have these grand ambitions for God. When Paul asks me to preach my first sermon here at church, I'm going to blow the roof off this place. Or I'm going to start a revival at Combeck. I'm going to have a rally down at Barangaroo. But God doesn't use dreamers, does he? God uses servants. Servants who are willing to do the small things for him so that then he can entrust them with the big things. And we can all be servants, can't we? Stephen was a man who was chosen to be a table waiter, a servant of widows in the early church. And through this man, Stephen, God used him to spark a spread of the church around the known world. God took his sermon that he preached and used it as one of the most read and influential sermons ever preached in the history of humankind. Well, that's because God loves to use faithful and courageous servants. It's our big idea this morning. It's on the screen above me. God uses courageous servants in big moments who've been faithful in the small ones. 
Well, we're going to make our way through Stephen's story, his story of courageous faith. And as we do, I want to pause and point out four observations about this man that we can all emulate. I want to start by looking at his courageous character that God uses. I want to think about his courageous serving that God uses. I want to think through his courageous speaking that God speaks through. And lastly, I want to think about his courageous Christ-likeness that makes him ready to do any good work. So let's get into the story where in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, the year is AD 34, and it's been around 6 to 18 months since Jesus, the man that the Jewish authorities had put to death, had been risen from the dead. And more and more people around Jerusalem and Judea were becoming convinced that this man whom they'd killed, but whom God had raised back to life, was, in fact, God's great king was the long-awaited Messiah. So the church was growing. It was multiplying. Like any growing organism, it began to have growth pains. The uh, Christians who, over the first three centuries of their existence, would become historically famous for their care of the vulnerable, caring for orphans and for widows, they'd taken so many widows into their midst that there began to be conflict Conflict in the Middle East. Who would have thought? Conflict arose between the Greek Jews and the Hebraic Jews. The the Greek Jews thought that their widows were being overlooked in this distribution of food. Well, there was a serious need here. And, uh, And the apostles sought to attend to it. But they were courageous in their position that they took. Have a look at their justification as they identified the priority of the needs that were in front of them. Verse 2 of chapter 6. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and they said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. The care of the church's widows really mattered. But the apostles knew that they didn't have to be the ones who attended to it. They'd been set apart by Jesus himself for the work of spreading Jesus' news, Jesus' message around the globe. So they looked for people to turn the responsibility over to. And what was the criteria they were looking for? Bachelor degrees in aged care, culinary aptitude, administration skills, no. Have a look in verse 3. Brothers and sisters, this is what we're looking for. Choose seven men from among you. And it's important to point out here that care has never just been the domain of women in the church. Tragically, that so often becomes the the case. But care is the domain of all of God's people for all of God's sheep. Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility to them and we'll keep giving our attention to the ministry of prayer and the word of God. Well, the proposal pleased everyone, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Friends, character is key when it comes to being useful for our God. What I'm struck by again and again, that's our first point, Stephen's courageous character, is the constant references to the kind of man that he was. So take a look with me at the the references. Verse 5, Stephen was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. 
verse 15, Stephen is identified as having a face, like the face of an angel. Not a beautiful face, but a godly glowing face. Friends, when it comes to being useful to God, it's all about character. And again and again, Stephen is said to be a man who's full of the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian here today, if you're someone who trusts in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then you are a person who possesses the Holy Spirit. But here's the question. Does the Spirit possess you? You know, you can have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart, but you might be treating him like a house guest, saying, you're welcome in the front room. You're even welcome in the kitchen, maybe in the formal dining room, but you're not getting into the depths. No, God's Holy Spirit wants to be treated as a homeowner. Open all the doors. Let him into your career. Let him into your your dreams and aspirations. Let him into your Monday, your Tuesday, right through to next Sunday. To be full of the Holy Spirit is simply to say to God, here I am, have your way with me. Have all of me, take and use me however you please. You can have the Holy Spirit without being full of him. Stephen was a man who opened up his heart and said, God, take and use me. If you want to be useful for God in 2019, work on your character. Character is not the result of a good upbringing. Godly character is not a result of, of a great upbringing or um, you know, privileged experience or life experience. It's a result of opening up your heart to the Holy Spirit, saying, come on in, shine your light into the darkness in my heart. Do what you love to do, Holy Spirit. Reveal what shouldn't be there Take my broken heart and make it back the way that you intended it to be. That is what God loves to do. Open your heart up and be filled with God's spirit. Godly character is like an instrument in God's hand that he can use for any good work he pleases. And what was the good work that God had in store for Stephen? It's our second point this afternoon. Courageous serving. Stephen would become a great ministry enabler by taking on the role of a table waiter, humble table waiter. Stephen instituted the first ever Wheels on Meals cooperative. It wasn't the most glamorous ministry role. I'm sure when Stephen filled out the AD 34 ministry gifts survey, I don't imagine he put serving widows down as his spiritual gift or passion. But it was a great need in the church, and it was something he was willing to attend to. Well, it's not that bad, you say. I I wouldn't mind travelling around having cups of tea with delightful old ladies in their homes. But these weren't delightful old ladies. They were agitated Greek nonnas. Now, I don't know if you've met an angry Greek nonna, but they were frustrated about what was happening. Picture the conversation. Oh, it's you, is it, Stephen? I used to have the Apostle John come and visit me and deliver my meals. He was there in the boat when Jesus calmed the storm. You didn't even see him feed the 5,000, Stephen. Well, when I entered Christian ministry, uh, I did a ministry apprenticeship at Christchurch St. Ives. And I had grand aspirations of reviving the North Shore for God. I was going to bring some real change. My first appointment, 
was Tuesday morning women's crash. There I was with crying one and two-year-olds, trying to distract them from the reality that their mum was in the room next door. I was out on the highway, bouncing double kids in my arms, pointing out the ambulances as they came past, as they coughed and spluttered on me. And I thought, God, I want to do big things for you. I want to, I want to do great things for you. Well, it was the ministry staff's way of teaching me Jesus' ways. Whoever wants to be great among you, he said, it's up on the screen above, whoever wants to be great amongst you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Why? Because that's exactly how Jesus was to us. The Son of Man came to not to be served, but to serve. Do you want to do something great for God in 2019? Find a need and serve in it. Here at Church by the Bridge, we don't have a multitude of widows, but judging by the little ones you've got scrambling around at your feet, we do have a multitude of children, don't we? And there are great needs in our children's ministry. We need more kids' church leaders. We need them here at 3.30. We need them up at 10 a.m. at Neutral Bay. We have a wonderful privilege of teaching God's scriptures to 450 children in three local primary schools, but we can't resource enough teachers to go into those schools. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to have been a Christian uh, all your life. You just need to love Jesus, be someone who's open to being filled with the Spirit, to go in and love these kids, to learn and teach them. We would love people from our church to sign up to serve in our scripture ministries. There is always a backlog of administrative data entry that we have here at church. Building needs, there's a dead rat somewhere in that building in there that needs to come out. I really need people to cook uh, for our alpha ministry, to cook meals to, to, to provide for our guests when they come along. Lots of needs, lots of opportunity to serve. What happens when God's people serve? What happens when godly people like Stephen of good character use their gifts to free up others, to use their gifts of praying and ministry of the word? Take a look in verse 7. This is what happens. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what we, we all dream of. More and more people coming obedient to the Lord Jesus in Kirribilli and Neutral Bay. The word of God spreading from us around this city. That's our hope. That's our dream. In just under a month, we'll hold our church's AGM, where we appoint wardens and parish councillors who are people who intentionally take on this role to free up those, uh, the ministry staff, Paul, myself, all the others, to devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. Thank you to those who put their names forward. Perhaps that's a way you could serve and do great things for God in 2019. Well, as the story continues, we come across Stephen's courageous speaking and his, his courageous speech. Evidently, this man had a ministry that was too dynamic to be contained in a kitchen. Because verse 8, we read, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs amongst the people. What's the table waiter doing astounding everyone with works of God? 
that's the way our God works, isn't it? He takes those who've been faithful in small things and he entrusts them with big things and lets them do great things for him. Well, as so often happens, when God is on the move, Satan gets angry, people get jealous, and opposition arises against God's people. Jews from all over the place rose up against Stephen. It's like saying this big account of all these Jews from all these different places. It's, it's as if saying academics from Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard and Yale rose up against Stephen to oppose him. But verse 10, they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. It's not that this guy was some brilliant intellectual mind. No, he was just believing the promise that Jesus gave him in our second reading that Bryony gave to us. That when they stood up, when they were tested, Jesus would give them by his Holy Spirit a wisdom that would confound their captors. And it's exactly what happened. These opponents stirred up the crowds and they dragged Stephen before the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, and Stephen was asked to give a defense of himself. And what you have here in chapter 7 is one of the most succinct summaries of the Old Testament. If you're not great at knowing the story of the Old Testament, that would be a really good read for you. Uh, That and children's Bibles are two great ways to learn the stories of the Old Testament. Well, basically, Stephen summarizes from Abraham through to David, and he says to these people who are saying, you're against God, you're against Moses and the law, and you're against this temple. He says to them, no, 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 God has always been bigger than the law. Think of our father Abraham. He had no law, and he was God's friend. No, 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 God is bigger than a building. God has always related to his people in ways that extend outside of a building. He's not contained by buildings. And then he said to them and showed them time and time again, our fathers, our ancestors have always, always opposed those who've spoken to us in the name of God. You know, I don't think Stephen considered himself a wonderful preacher. I don't imagine that he preached that many sermons. Uh, this sermon is not necessarily a wonderful piece of oratory, but it's one of, uh, one of only three people in the New Testament whose sermons are recorded as Stephen. Not the other apostles, but this man's speech. And his speech was it's a little bit clunky, to be totally honest. And when he moves to application, it's like a learner driver grinding the gears down to, to first gear. Have a listen or have a read with me as he turns to application in verse 51 of chapter 7. Here's where he lands. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. He goes pretty hard, doesn't he? I thought, why is, he, why is he really turned on his audience like that? I think that these were the words the Holy Spirit gave him that day to come home on these guys and let them know that this is the way they've always treated God. Uh, I've, uh, I've pondered again and again why he'd do this, but I just think these, this is what the Spirit wanted him to say. And you can imagine, can't you, that it didn't go down so well. Have a listen have a read of the response of his audience. Verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, 
They were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. And as so often happens, when you serve God, you see God more clearly, don't you? When you're putting yourself out there for him, your vision of him becomes much more clear. Well, Stephen gets a vision and listen to what he says, verse 56. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man. That was Jesus' favorite way of referring to himself. That was the reason that this same audience had put Jesus to death. He said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And the crowd went wild. With a violence that you'd expect to see from a gang of youths, this religious council turned into this rioting mob, yelling, hissing, throwing dust in the air. They rushed at Stephen. They grabbed him, dragged him out of the city, and began stoning him to death. Well, Stephen's sermon wasn't very popular. Stephen's sermon didn't fill the pews in Jerusalem. It it emptied them. But Stephen certainly was very faithful to his God to the very end. So faithful that in the end of his life, he became so much like the Saviour he was serving. And that's our last point this afternoon, courageous Christ-likeness. Have a look at the way that he died in verse 60. Then Stephen fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he'd said this, he fell asleep. Just like his saviour, praying for his persecutors to the very end. Well, Was this just the waste of another young life? Another life cut short in its prime? Was the life of Stephen's saviour a waste when he died? No. God overturned it, didn't he? He overturned his opponents, and through Jesus' death, he brought about the salvation of the world. And so he would, with his servant Stephen, overturn the consequences of his death and use it to spread the news about Jesus to the ends of the earth. Let me share with you a little Sunday school illustration that I've always enjoyed. I'm going to use some water to represent the church in Jerusalem. Here they were, growing and multiplying, spreading, enjoying favour with God and people, I'm going to use this ruler. My water doesn't run away. I'm going to use this ruler to symbolize the persecution. Children, you might think these are just for ruling lines, but you could ask your parents what their teachers used to use these for back in their day. This, on the day that Stephen died, a great persecution broke out against the church. And look what happened. Where did the church go? Have a look at chapter 8, verse 4. Those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. God can bring good out of tragedy. Friends, if you are a Christian, do not fear the rising tide of opposition against your Christian faith because God can bring good out of hardship. You might have heard that many Christian missionaries have been kicked out of China recently. And what's happening in China? The church is exploding. 
Friends, no one can stop the God of heaven and earth accomplishing his purposes. If you are someone who today is Christian by name, but is not really living for the faith that this courageous man, Stephen, chose to die for, well, let the courageous death of that man, Stephen, wake you up. Come to life, Christian. Come to life and give yourself for what God is doing on this earth. Become part of his big purposes of making Jesus known to the ends of the earth. If you're someone here today and you are not yet a Christian, let this courageous death of this man, Stephen, inspire you, challenge you to take seriously the faith that he thought was worth dying for. Sure, I know people die for all sorts of silly causes all the time, but you'd think that here is a man who was an eyewitness to the events of Jesus' life, death, resurrection. And you'd think that he would have backed down when the heat came on, wouldn't you? And if he didn't, surely some others would. But historically we know that 11 of the 12 apostles were also put to death for what they could have denied to be true. 2019 is the year of courageous faith. Maybe you could courageously look into the claims of Jesus' life. Come along to Alpha starting on Thursday the 12th of February. Karen will be there. I'll be there. We'd love you to come and join us in that exploration. 2019 is the year of courageous faith. How will you play your part in this year of courageous faith? Have courageous character. Let your character be shaped to become more like Christ you serve. Then you will be an instrument useful in your master's hands. Serve wherever you see a need. Serve and be faithful in the small things so that God can entrust you with the big things. And when God gives you opportunity, courageously speak for your Savior. Speak and share the love you have for him. Then you'll be ready for any good work, come what may, in 2019. Let me close by praying that we would live a year of courageous faith as Church by the Bridge. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the courageous life, death, and resurrection of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the courageous faith of his servant, Stephen, who was faithful to you, even though it cost him his life. Thank you that through his death you spread everywhere the news about Jesus, your son. We pray that like him you would give us courageous character, courageous Christ-likeness, so that we would be ready to serve wherever there's need and to speak about Jesus wherever there is opportunity. We pray this for the glory and honour of Jesus for the good of ourselves and our hearts as his servants, and for the salvation of all those that we rub shoulders with, of all those in Kirribilli and Neutral Bay and Sydney and Australia and to the ends of the earth, we pray. Amen.